Hello, this is Paige Gravely, president of Mission Energy, and welcome to another 2021 podcast. This podcast serves to assist and inform nonprofit organizations interested in advancing their use of solar power on their properties, as well as energy efficiency measures to gain additional energy savings and environmental benefits. Our goal for today's podcast is to educate nonprofit organizations about accessing outside capital resources to fund their solar and energy efficiency projects. Instead of the nonprofit paying for the installation, various investment organizations are ready, willing, and able to fund those projects themselves, thus enabling nonprofits the opportunity to preserve precious capital while still benefiting from lower cost power produced by the solar project. I'm so pleased to offer you today the wisdom and expertise of my guest, Carrie O'Neill, CEO of Inclusive Prosperity Capital. Carrie, it is a pleasure to finally meet you and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Paige. Thank you for having me and great to meet you too. It's been great working with your team over the last year or so. Indeed. So Carrie has an extensive background in clean energy financial services, especially associated with clean energy investing for underserved communities. Carrie, you match capital supply with project demand with an emphasis on projects in underserved communities and underinvested markets. Would you describe for the audience these underserved communities in more detail and the reasons they have historically been underinvested? Sure, Paige, and, and that, that is such a great question. One way we define it is low and moderate income communities, distressed communities, which maybe have been suffering from you know, years of disinvestment. So we view our mission as um, we, we think that you can underwrite these more challenging situations for other lenders. We think there are great projects out there and, and a lot of impact and good we can do in partnership with communities. Um, and so that's where we focus is these harder parts of the market that, that others may shy away from because it's just kind of challenging and hard and the transaction costs are higher and, and the work is harder. That's where we focus. Excellent. And IPC, as I understand it, evolved out of the Connecticut Green Bank. For our audience, can you share with them what exactly is a green bank and how it, how it compares to a traditional bank that they go get? money out of the ATM from? That's right. It's a, it's a great question. And, and it's a bit of a misnomer to call it a bank because it is not a bank with an ATM and deposits. It, it could take the form of a quasi-public governmental agency. So think of it, that sort of flavor, and that's the Connecticut Green Bank flavor, as a financing authority, just like you might have an, a housing financing authority or an economic development financing authority within state or municipal government. And there are also flavors of green banks that are not-for-profits, government adjacent. So they're independent, but they're working closely with state and local government. So there there are different flavors. But importantly, they're taking public or mission-driven resources and pairing them with private capital to drive clean energy investment across all sectors of the economy and, and increasingly in underserved markets. And at the Connecticut Green Bank, there was a core team of us who helped originate programs at the Connecticut Green Bank. And we all saw an, an opportunity to 
kind of take that show on the road and scale up the strategies that we had innovated in Connecticut to scale not only for Connecticut, but also outside of Connecticut as well. So you're going out and raising private capital to bring into the portfolio. Is that correct? We are. We are. In many of these states that allow third-party investor power purchase agreements, it's been very appealing because the nonprofit and the churches get to preserve their capital, they get the benefit, but there's always this this curiosity, well, why do these private investors want to own the solar array that's sitting on top of my parish hall or my school? Can you can you give them a little further insight into the motivation? So in Connecticut, we saw that nonprofits broadly and municipalities as well, um, community centers, faith-based groups, nonprofit schools wanted to go solar but because they were nonprofits, couldn't take advantage of the federal tax credit. And the economics just didn't work without the federal tax credit being part of, of the capital stack for these projects. And so saw an opportunity to be a mission-oriented owner of solar, offering that nonprofit a third-party you know, power purchase agreement. Um, but because we're mission-oriented, there's mission alignment. And um, that, that comes out in things like, you know, the terms that we offer, the fact that, um, you know, if a nonprofit wanted to potentially buy out the project after a few years um, or every year kind of after that, that, that we allow for that. So a, a little bit more generous on the terms, but, but with that mission orientation and alignment. And so we now are able to offer a similar service to nonprofits outside of Connecticut. One question we get asked quite a bit, especially from business officers and CFOs of nonprofits is, well, gosh, what happens if this federal investment tax credit goes away, which, it, you know, whether it sunsets or it's extended is TBD. But if that goes away, will third party investors care anymore? Will they still want to invest in our projects? How would you respond to that? What would you advise? For I'll just tell you our perspective on this because, you know, last year we all thought it was going to sunset, right? And we were, you know, the industry was planning for a sunset. Now, the, the situation is a little more mixed now. There's a lot of momentum behind, you know, growing solar and a range of renewable energy technologies. But, but when we didn't have that certainty, you know, we and others in the industry were planning for it to go away and felt there was still a very viable opportunity to offer this um, to customers, in part because, you know, the, the pricing of solar keeps coming down. Um, more and more developers and installers are scaling up their business and they're becoming more efficient. Um, so we we felt that over the long term, there was still a great opportunity. But let's be honest, if, if the tax credit is available, that really makes makes deals pencil out in more parts of the country, especially those parts of the country that um, have lower electricity prices, which makes it you know more challenging to make an economic case for solar. There are those that are going to want to go solar no matter what. But for many, the economic case is really, really important. Because, you know, imagine they're able to go solar, save money on their solar, every dollar that they're saving can go into the mission that they're trying to serve. There's such good that can be done. And on my last question, which is to that very point, I love your name. I love the mission that you state and your vision and values of inclusive prosperity. I would love to hear in your own words, what inclusive prosperity means to you. Yeah, we think about 
communities that have been left behind for financial investment. You know, the financial services industry has a history of systemic racism and redlining and what have you. So we are very aware at being a financial organization that that's something that we have to proactively be, be part of changing that dynamic going forward. So that's one. We very much want to work in partnership with communities and partners on the ground, understanding what their needs are and serving their needs. And it may be about going solar or clean energy, but there are a lot of other issues that communities are facing. Economic development, good paying jobs, healthy indoor air and healthy outdoor air. We want to be part of a solution, but following the needs of the community. So, so that gets at you know, kind of the inclusivity. You know, we don't want to tell folks how to you know, improve their communities. We want to, we want to follow and partner. Um, and we want really to make sure that these benefits of reduced energy burdens and better health outcomes and good paying jobs um, are really and truly accruing to the, the communities that need it most. Well, it's wonderful. And we're very fortunate to have such dedicated organizations such as yourself. So that that concludes our podcast for today. Carrie, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much, Paige. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we look forward to providing you another podcast in the near future. Have a good day.